Welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where America's top cleaning expert shows you the ins and outs of keeping a clean home and a clean business. From expert advice to cutting-edge interviews, Debbie uses her 30 years experience to bring you the insight you need to be cleaning up. And now, here's your host, Debbie Sardone. Welcome to episode 13 of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where we talk about cleaning up in business and in life. Make sure you tune in each week to catch my interviews with successful entrepreneurs. And today's show, we're talking about how to gain influence and be heard. Our guest in the next segment is Sarah Zink, best-selling author of 20 Tips for Power Chicks. But first, We've got power tips that every woman or man can implement to succeed and thrive, not just in business, but in life. How to communicate tends to how you communicate tends to dictate whether or not you will ultimately be successful, particularly in the business world. There's so much more to communication, to talking to people. Mastering several distinct skills of communication will enable you to go further in every aspect of life. And here are just a few things that we can all focus on. First of all, understand the power of small talk. It can set you up or it can take you down in a new relationship. First time meetings, greetings have to start light with what most people would call small talk or chit-chat. These light conversations are anything but small. Opinions are formed about you in that first five minutes, but it takes hours or sometimes years to change someone's mind about you because of that very first conversation. Recently, I met a man for the very first time to work on a project that would take us several hours and ended up taking all day. But in the first two minutes of our small talk opportunity, in the first two minutes of meeting this gentleman, he immediately started asking me personal questions about political subjects and voicing strong opinions about how he felt politically about different uh, issues. And he was asking me questions about how my business handles certain things that were all political in nature. It was a very awkward conversation for somebody I didn't even know. And I formed instant opinions about this gentleman in that first two, three minutes of our, quote, small talk. It really wasn't small. And by any definition, it wasn't light. This was not light conversation. Light conversation is what you have with people you don't know. Deep conversations are what you have with people you know very well and sometimes you never have at all because the subject is way too touchy or too sensitive. I immediately formed an opinion and I remember after about 15 minutes with a few other things he said, my first initial impression is, oh boy, this guy's a jerk and I got to work with him all day. That was my initial impression. Now lucky for him, Our meeting didn't end after 15 minutes where I would walk away and forever think that I had just met a jerk. Lucky for him, we actually proceeded to work on a project for several hours. And even though I didn't think it would take all day, it was, you know, soon it was 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. And by that time, I had discovered he was actually a very nice, professional individual who knew his 
uh, skill very, very well. I had learned a lot from him. He had shared personal stories about his own family. He had asked me about my family. And of course, one of my favorite topics, my grandkids. And by the end of several hours of working with him, he had basically redeemed himself from this very poor introduction and his inappropriate small talk. And he kind of erased the impression that I had of him. But I I remember leaving that day thinking, if I had only had 15 minutes with this individual, I would not have had the same opinion of him at the end of the day that I, I would have formed during that first 15 minutes. So never underestimate the power of small talk. It's anything but small. It is your best opportunity to make a first impression. So small talk isn't really small talk. It is a powerful part of communicating effectively and appropriately and establishing how a person will think about you. And so many times we have encounters with people that are extremely brief. Are you leaving people thinking, wow, that guy's a jerk or wow, she sure is on an ego trip or whatever? Or are you leaving people feeling actually good about themselves because of that small talk or brief encounter? So point number two about conversation, conversation is one of the most basic forms of communication that people tend to discount. We don't see it as important. Just just light conversation. You're not selling. You're not pitching. You're not pre- you know, making a presentation. A simple, friendly conversation with employees can build trust and expose issues before they actually become serious. An innocuous bit of small talk with a stranger can turn into a sales opportunity. Get comfortable speaking in a friendly, appropriate way. If you're not good at it, you need to practice. In business, small talk is rarely small. Learn to skillfully transition to the subject that you're actually there to talk about. You know, use short stories to get comfortable with each other, but then quickly transition to why you're there. Another aspect of conversation or communication, it's pretty subtle. Every new relationship begins with conversation or small talk, so don't blow it. Keep it appropriate and keep it short. Not too short so that you come across as an opportunist who's trying to quickly get to the bottom line or someone who's just being curt and they're ready to move on, but short enough to where the person isn't thinking, come on, buddy, let's get to the the reason why we're here. You know, let's move on. Let's cut to the chase. You don't want that person thinking, give me a break. I don't want to hear your life story. So there is a delicate balance when it comes to conversation, especially in a brand new relationship, as to when you transition away from small talk. I remember not too long ago, I was talking with somebody who was in my home to give an estimate. And he started out with some small talk, which was pleasant. It kind of puts you at ease, makes you feel comfortable, helps that person to be relatable who's about to sell you something that's expensive. But I noticed that he didn't know how to transition away from small talk and get to the business at hand and get to the reason why he was in my home to give me an estimate. And he went on and on. And there were several opportunities for the conversation to wrap up and move on several natural opportunities to transition 
and he kept missing them. I finally had to say, well, you know what? That's great. Now I've got another appointment, so um, let's go take a look at my floors. And I thought, how interesting. He's a salesman. I'm sure he's very good at what he does, but he didn't know how to transition away from small talk. It was a very interesting observation to me. Another aspect of effective communication is listening. How many times have you had conversations where you knew the other person was not listening to you? Their body language, their eyes were telling you that they had already moved on, that they were already looking for someone else to talk to. Be careful to fully engage and not be distracted and listen carefully. Listening is not waiting for a pause so that you can jump in and take over the conversation. Listening is not waiting for somebody to take a breath so you can top their story. So you can tell how your story is bigger or better or how your surgery was worse than theirs or how your wreck was 10 times worse than theirs. That's not what listening is about. And good communication skills start with a really good listener. And it seems counterintuitive. It seems like, well, if you have good communication skills, aren't you doing all the talking? The best communication the best communicators do a lot of listening. They are hearing what people say. They're asking questions and waiting for answers. We've all been in those conversations where it became unpleasant because the person kept hijacking every conversation, every story. If, if you were asked to share an experience, the minute you got the words out of your mouth about something that happened to you or to someone else, they interrupt and they talk about how it happened to them, bigger, better, worse, more intensely, whatever. They get labeled behind their back, the topper. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine used to comment about a mutual friend that we all had. And he finally said, you know, he's a topper. <laughs> and I instantly knew what he was talking about, even though I'd never heard that term before. And I thought, oh, my goodness, how accurate that description was. He's a topper. It doesn't matter what you say. He's busy waiting for you to take a breath so that he can jump in and top your story. That is very poor communication skills. And I believe this individual would characterize himself as an incredible communicator. He's very gifted at speaking. When he stands up in front of a room, uh, people listen his stories are engaging and very interesting. He's really a fairly brilliant speaker. But in a setting where there's supposed to be mutual conversation going on, he's unable to have conversations. He can't do small talk. He has to top and hijack every situation, every conversation. And that makes him a bad communicator, even if he's a fantastic speaker. These issues affect your life. They affect your personal life. They affect your business life. If you don't have the ability to connect with people, to have conversations with people, and a conversation is a two-way street. It's not one-sided like public speaking is. When you're standing up speaking from a platform, nobody else is talking. You have the entire stage, and you get to tell all the stories. But when you're trying to have a conversation, when you're trying to communicate directly with people, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one setting or two or three or four people standing around at a party or in a, a team meeting at work, if you're having 
struggles with people connecting with you, respecting what you have to say, you need to check your communication skills, your conversation skills, because they may be lacking, and it may start with a lack of listening. And then lastly, in communication, because originally I said communication is not all about what you say. It's not all about the talking part. Lastly, another aspect of successful communication skills is body language. People are very sensitive to your body language. And some people are completely unaware of the vibe that they're creating in that conversation by their body language. You have to literally study the body language of other people and compare it to how you stand and how you talk and what positions and stances you take during conversations while you're communicating. Do you fold your arms? If you're standing there talking with someone, especially if it's a negative conversation, maybe you're having to speak to a coworker about an issue, or maybe you're the supervisor and you're having to speak to someone who's under your uh, it, under you in business, what is your body language saying? Are you talking that with them with your arms folded across your chest? It sounds. It appears, it may make you sound, even if your words are right and your tone is right, just crossing your arms across your chest can make you sound overly authoritative or angry. Holding your chin in your hand while you're talking can oftentimes make you seem more thoughtful, like you're thinking about what you're saying. Arms on your hips while you're talking, kind of Superman style, can make you come across as angry. Arms folded behind you, kind of like Dr. Uh, Watson style, uh, may make you seem a little suspicious, like you're just not too sure about the, the conversation that's going on here, the words the other person is saying. Your posture and your stance will help to form the other person's opinion about you. Take your stance seriously. Practice in a mirror. Observe the other way, the ways other people are standing when they're talking at networking meetings and so forth. Smile greet people. Have your arms straight down. Take heart to these communication skills and you'll be better at connecting with others. Now coming up next, you'll get to hear from best-selling author Sarah Zink on how to gain influence and be heard. Make sure you like us on Facebook at Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone and go over to iTunes and subscribe to our show and never miss a single episode. We'll be right back. And I really have More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. I was leaving an exercise class. All of a sudden, the pain started. My entire chest. Shortness of breath. Very fatigued. Nauseated. Thought that it was nothing much, maybe just stress. You're having a heart attack. I'm healthy. I'm young. There's no way it could be my heart. No way. Heart disease doesn't discriminate. Listen to your body. Go get checked. Heart disease is the number one killer in women. And this is something that we can fight. Visit GoRedForWomen.org to learn a woman's risk for heart disease. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safe around pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. 
You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. In our Go Giver segment, I am so pleased to have in the studio today, Sarah Zink, co-founder and COO of PlaidForWomen.com, a social media company with a purpose whose mission is to help women achieve goals, get connected, and be heard. Sarah reaches thousands of women annually through her digital radio show and online TV show. Recently, Sarah was nominated as one of 2015's Great Women of Texas by Fort Worth Business. And she's also a best-selling author. Her book is 20 Tips for Power Chicks. Sarah Zink, welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. Well, it's my delight, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Well, it's an absolute honor because I, I... I can understand why you were nominated for Great Women of Texas, and I've admired you for a long time. In fact, I was thinking about the very first time that I met you. I had purchased your book online, had never heard of you. I thought that title and the picture on the front of the book was very compelling, and I ordered it to take a group of women who own cleaning businesses through a mastermind group, and we went chapter by chapter using your book to help these women improve their communication skills. So I highly recommend your book. Well, thank you. I remember when you reached out to me and I was just so delighted, not only that you had uh, gotten the book and were using it to share with uh, the women in your circle of influence, but that you were local and we actually got to have some FaceTime. So that was nice. That was amazing. I, I, I looked you up on Facebook and I saw Mansfield. And I went, oh my goodness, she's a neighbor. So that was really the start of a friendship. And I've, I've followed your, your business consulting and all of the things that you do ever since. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a delight. And, and my pleasure to, to follow your uh, adventures in entrepreneurship as well. <laughs> we, we're definitely having fun, aren't we? We are. As women, we definitely have some obstacles and some challenges that probably nearly every woman faces in terms of being heard. So tell us a little bit about gender differences and communication and some of those things that that we need to hear in order to be heard. I think one of the biggest issues when we're talking about women struggling to be heard is that we're socialized to be quiet. We're socialized to not yell and we're socialized to be polite and we're socialized to be nice. And and so when we get out into the world, then we're struggling, of course, in elementary school and high school with mean girls and we're trying to navigate our way through all the emotional baggage that goes with that and then we get into the workplace and we're juggling our work-life balance issues and then we're trying to figure out how do we make time for ourselves and the whole be heard thing seems to almost fall by the wayside but you mentioned of course one of my favorite topics and that's the gender differences in communication and I think it's one along with behavioral differences I think the gender differences in communication is one of the biggest ones because I think that we discount as women the fact that there are significant differences in how men and women communicate and it isn't skill it's just style and what ends up happening is that we seem to make it the right way or the wrong way or where there's an expectation that men should learn how to talk to us and then HR sends them through sensitivity training and that's basically useless and and so we're waiting for some magical thing to happen that will enable us to communicate better with 
men. And I think that if we begin to accept the fact that the only change that's going to occur is the change that we initiate, the change that we uh, make happen in our own lives, and that has to start with some of the points that I talk about in the book, which include the things like when you and I sit down to have a conversation, I'm going to paint the whole picture, Debbie. I'm going to tell you what everybody was wearing. I'm going to tell you, you know, what the drive was like. We got there late. Oh, they're remodeling the boardroom. And if you were a guy, you would be dying for just give me the bottom line. Tell me exactly what is the end game here. And as a woman, if I don't get that, then I'm going to feel like you're cutting me off. I'm going to feel like you don't really care. You don't want to hear my whole story. But when I begin to recognize the way, and I'm talking about by and large, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about generalities. I don't really speak to exceptions because we know they all exist. But in, in reality, we function on generalities. And I think when we recognize that when we're communicating with people who communicate in a masculine way. I'm a masculine communicator, but by and large, we're overlooking some of the techniques that can make us very powerful communicators that can help us to be heard, and that's just one of them. I think what you said is so important at the beginning of, of your answering that question, and that is we can only change ourselves. And there are too many people out there that are focused on making everybody change. You need to talk to me in a different way. You need to do this. You need to do that. And that doesn't work in marriage. It doesn't work in the business world. The only person we have control over in this world is us. And if we want what we want and we want to get what we need and we want to grow and thrive and succeed, then we need to change ourselves instead of focusing all our time and energy on changing someone we can't change. Well, and let's also, uh, I'd like to uh, extrapolate on that thought right there by saying that if we're talking about being heard and gaining influence, that we surrender our ability to be heard and our surrender our power over changing things by waiting for... I'm going to wait till the guy learns to talk to me. I'm going to wait till this gets legislated. I'm going to wait until there's some new policy in my office that makes this thing happen. And so I think the first thing that we have to recognize in our quest to be heard is that we already have the power. Absolutely. Not only do we have the power, but when we give up that power and we come across as it's not being able to function unless somebody else changes, that's when we create the impression that we're whiny. Oh, that absolutely. we're overly sensitive. We create those impressions of ourselves because we can't move past a style. And what you said nailed it. These are styles, not skills. Well, if you think about it, it's two dialects of the same language. We're all speaking English, but we have two different dialects and there's the masculine and the feminine dialect but couple that. I mean, I don't want to just lay it at the feet of gender differences in communication. There's also just flat-out poor communication skills. And some of these are socialized, and some of these, it doesn't matter what your gender is, they're going to happen anyway. And these are the things like, um, uh, I call those fillers. It's mm -hmm. when you just don't know when to stop talking. I can't stand the sound of silence, so I need to make some little guttural noise that fills this empty void. We're afraid of silence. We're afraid of that tension in a conversation. And so if we're not sure what to say next, then we make noises. Right. And that weakens our message. That steals from the language, the words that we chose, the power that was originally infused into those words. So first, 
tip, I would think, would be begin to understand gender differences, but also just good communication and eliminate these little guttural noises. And then women say they're sorry almost 60% uh, more than men do. And this is because we want to level the playing field. I'm sorry, Debbie, I don't have that piece of paper you're after. Well, it's not that I'm sorry that I don't, I didn't do it. I didn't fail in some way. But I'm apologizing for a circumstance over which I may or may not have had any control. Well, leveling the playing field is nice, but what ends up happening is over time, people begin to think of us as the apologetic one, the one that's sorry all the time. And subconsciously, whether we like it or not, the fact that you're always saying you're sorry makes me begin to think that you're a problem, that, that I will sorry. blame you. Yeah. Well, you know, something you bring up, it does weaken your position because if you're constantly apologizing, it does seem like you're messing up. And I think for women, that's probably very natural for us because we're sensitive people. And there's nothing wrong with being sensitive, but we are sensitive people. So we're always concerned about somebody else's feelings. Mm -hmm. And then inadvertently, we make it look like we're always the one messing up when that may not be the case. Yes. And if we're wanting to level the playing field, let me not just identify what you're doing wrong. If you're, as you listen to the show, I want to tell you what to do right. When I mentioned about making the fillers, just stop talking. That's a good way to avoid I the love fillers. That. Silence is powerful. Silence can be powerful. But when we're talking about this apologetic thing, I substitute, I really hate that that happened. It is so unfortunate that we can't find that piece of paper. Begin to replace this I'm sorry language with substitutes that are a little more powerful, a little less weak, a little less blaming. It is about solutions. It's Fantastic. not about Fantastic. I love it. And those are practical things that we can all work on, and men and women, depending on what their style is. But in particular, those of us women who have been frustrated in the past that we weren't heard. Yes. Those are great skills. So what are some obstacles that women face in terms of gaining that influence? Well, the first one that I would say all the time is fear. I'm, I'm afraid of what you're going to say. I'm afraid you're not going to like me. I'm afraid you're not going to like what I'm saying. I'm afraid that you're going to disagree with me. And oh, my word, that might create some sort of conflict. I might feel uncomfortable. I don't have the emotional intelligence to manage that. And I want to just toss out here that women, by and large, have such a plethora of emotions that we seem to confuse that with thinking that we have emotional intelligence. And nothing could be farther from the truth. The fact that we have so many emotions, the fact that we feel so much, does not necessarily mean that we are intelligent about all those emotions. And so I don't want to say anything that may make you feel uncomfortable. Right back to what you said just a minute ago. We, we're such feeling creatures. We, we want everyone to be happy and And like men don't mind you feeling uncomfortable if they have something you need to hear. They don't mind that. And that is an area, as a woman, if I want to be more effective in my communications, I need to stop being afraid of the things you listed because who cares? Who cares if what I just said somebody doesn't like? It's really not that big of a deal if I said it politely and appropriately. Well, we also have to go back to the fact that you feel something doesn't mean it's real. I may feel uncomfortable. You may say to me, Sarah, I really liked that book, but I just didn't care for the cover. Well, that may make me feel awkward and uncomfortable, and I'm, I'm mad at you because I don't like feeling that way. But in reality, those are primitive. That's that amygdala hijack. Boy, you just attacked me, and I'm reacting. But as we become more emotionally mature, when we become less afraid, it isn't that I want to hurt you. 
it isn't that I want you to feel uncomfortable. There is a message that I have that is important and valuable that can change the culture, that can help this business, that can, whatever it is, I have to say. I need to care more about that message and worry less about my fears because we will never say, gee, I wish I hadn't spoken that truth. We're going to say, gee, I wish I would have been bold enough to say that thing. You've been listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. And that was Sarah Zink. She'll be with us in the next segment. So make sure you don't go away. We are talking about gaining influence and being heard. It was early morning yesterday. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. Everyone hates a dirty house, but who wants to spend Saturdays cleaning? There's the vacuuming, the dusting, the mopping floors, scrubbing the toilets, cleaning the showers, and who even has the time to clean the ceiling fans or wash the baseboards? And if the kids have a game, well, there goes the weekend. That's why I use Buckets and Bows Maid Service. I love my busy life and my clean home. Every day, millions of Americans are putting themselves at risk just by writing a check using a credit card or an ATM. We're talking identity theft. And if you've been a victim or think your personal information has been compromised, you need to act immediately. The identity theft recovery process can be long and daunting, but you don't have to do it alone. Contact a certified counselor at the National Foundation for Credit Counseling at 1-800-388-2227, who can guide you every step of the way. This has been a public service message from the NFCC. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Is a Welcome back to our Experts Advice segment on Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. We've been talking to Sarah Zink, co-founder of PlaidForWomen.com. Sarah Zink is passionate about two things, helping women discover their personal superpower and use it for good in the world, and helping entrepreneurs build, develop, and grow themselves and their businesses. Sarah, thanks so much for coming back to uh, our show. Well, it is always a pleasure, and I certainly am glad that uh, you're having me back again. Well, it's been an interesting conversation so far. I always learn so much from you whenever we talk and whenever you share your insights about your book. Tell us when you published that book and how people can get that. The book published in 2012, and you can go to plaidforwomen.com and click on uh, publishing and or the bookstore, and you can buy it there. Fantastic. Or people can go to our Facebook page, Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, and they can learn more about you. They can post their comments and feedback, and we'll have a link to your website as well. So moving on, as we talk about gaining influence and being heard, difficult messages are often a part of being heard and gaining influence. Why do women avoid these conversations? And what do you do you personally recommend that women do to begin to be more comfortable? Well, let me start off with difficult conversations are something that we're socialized uh, to avoid because we think of them as conflict. And I would just put out there to anybody who's tried to, quote, avoid conflict, how did that turn out for you? I'm gonna Not very well. <laughs> I'm going to bet that you had conflict anyway, mm-hmm. that it turned out badly because you tried not to have conflict. And the more that we avoid the difficult conversations, the more things build up, the more we engage in bad habits, the more uh, that 
that the, the situation just becomes untenable. And so what happens is we all explode. There's a volcano. I'm mad. I will never talk to you again. But if we were to begin to say, you know, Debbie, when you do that thing, uh, I feel uncomfortable. When you say that thing, it sends the message to me that I'm not valuable. If we would stop seeing these difficult conversations at conflict and develop the emotional intelligence to be able to recognize, A, what we're feeling, I may be feeling jealousy, I may be feeling fear or anger, I may want to have a difficult conversation with you, but I don't know how you're going to take it. And so I don't even know how to prepare, so I avoid the whole thing entirely. And finally, I think we have to prepare whenever possible. We don't want to enter into a difficult conversation, but they will find us. And then we're unprepared. And then we say and do things that we wish we didn't. So avoiding, which happens to obviously be a false concept because you're not going to avoid it, ends up causing us to be unprepared when it blows up on someone else's time frame instead of our own. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think if you think about it, these are are like little pop quizzes that we have a difficult circumstance come up. There's an uncomfortable sensation. I feel like I need to say something to you, but maybe I had a bad experience. Whatever it is, we have to evaluate how valuable is this conversation in the big scheme of things. Does it really drive me crazy when this happens? Is this impacting my business, my life, my relationships, whatever? And then if that difficult conversation gets an A or a B, it's important or it's quasi-important, we really need to figure out how do we manage that because it's going to impact us one way or the other for good or bad. So we should just go ahead and deal with it. And we need to stop second-guessing the other person's reaction. We have a tendency to assume they're going to be mortified or angry or whatever. You know, I was listening to a woman, an, another woman that I had on my show, and she gave the, the best advice, and, and it was, what else could be happening? So let's say you're behaving in a way that... Uh, bothers me it is impacting me negatively and I'm making all these value judgments similar to what you were sharing in the first part of the the show today I'm making all these value judgments based on what you're saying or what I think you're doing or or whatever but I rarely would ask myself the question what else could be happening and I'm going to in the absence of information fill in the blanks and so I think if we begin to be willing to think differently A, about the conversation, B, about the fact that we may have no clue what's going on in that other person's life, and we need to uh, engage in these difficult conversations with a blank slate. That empowers all of us. That empowers you to be able to enter into it without me having assigned to you some sort of behavior that may or may not actually exist. And sometimes you have to come to these conversations with zero expectations. If you need to share this information with someone else, the ball is in their court. You have no control over their reaction or their behavior. But if you did the right thing, then let it go. I think so. And I think we always have to look at what do I want to get out of this? I think closure is highly overrated that our need to say something just so I can say it is is a band-aid for a lack of emotional intelligence. But Yeah, if I, getting things off your chest is not necessarily the reason to say something. Nobody wins. I just don't think anybody wins in that getting things off my chest. But if I think of an outcome in terms of I want you to change your behavior or I want to understand your behavior or I want... XYZ to happen, then yeah, you probably should enter into that difficult conversation. Exactly. So what are some habits that women could develop to begin to be heard 
and gain their influence. I will tell you the first habit that I had to develop was to recognize the value of my own voice. My voice has weight. My voice has value. I have something important to say. And until a woman believes that, it doesn't matter what tips, tricks, or techniques I might be able to share with her. She's not going to think that whatever she has to say is important enough. So confidence. It, it is. It's confidence. It's passion. It's what is it that you want to get out that's going to be the ripple in the pond to change the world, even if it's the world just in your little circle? I also think that in addition to changing how we think about the value of our bo- voice, we have got to stop how we talk to ourselves. Uh, there's a beautiful little video out on social media that shows a woman talking to another woman the way that woman talks to herself. You would never in a hundred years let someone talk to you the way you talk to yourself. Wow, that's powerful. But you're exactly right. Women say to themselves, you can't do it. You're stupid. You're too fat. You're not smart enough. We say that to ourselves. We would never say that to another woman. And think about the power that we're using for bad, for evil. If we would use that same power for that same superpower that we have to convince ourselves that we're dumb and ugly and fat and stupid and unworthy, what if we were to take that very same superpower and 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 convince ourselves that we are worthy we are valuable our bodies are perfect just the way they are and that uh, the value of our voice can absolutely change the world and we do have something to say and we need to speak up and don't worry that it might be a ripple in the pond who cares if it needs to be said absolutely so how can women help another woman to be heard what can we do for each other I will tell you, years ago, when I first got on a board, I didn't quite get Robert's Rules of Order. And I'll never forget, there was an older woman who said, Sarah, all Robert's Rules of Order is, is a methodology to help the minority have their voice be heard. And uh, the light went off, and I realized that's really our role, I think, as women to help other women, that I need to help other women's voices be heard who might not otherwise be heard. Sometimes the woman who's the most passionate or the most confident or the most, frankly, the loudest voice will be the one that's heard. And so I think the way that we help one another, I don't have to agree with you. I acknowledge that what you have to say is valuable to you. And if I vehemently disagree, of course, I might take a different course of action. But I think that our our job is to help one another's voices be heard, particularly those who are not strong and confident in what they're saying. And I will say serving on a board of directors can be the best thing that any woman can do for her personal and professional life. It teaches you through Robert's Rules of Order how to have your voice, have your say, how to understand that when you're giving your opinions, you don't have to keep giving it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until somebody agrees with you. Yes. Because when you serve on a board, you give your opinion. Some people will agree. Some people won't. They'll have a vote and you move on. There's I, no hurt feelings. I think that's where we, we miss the mark is that we're, we're constantly trying to convince people to change their thinking when in my mind we can only change ourselves change ourselves and then find your tribe who else believes the way that you do and then each each woman brings one I mean I want to get that I want to be sure I get that in there you know we will rise up the ladder rise up the ladder we'll we'll rise up the ladder and so many times we leave a trail of bodies behind us or we leave women behind us who are begging to be brought up the ladder and we don't do it we don't we slam the door shut behind us and I think part of this 
helping one another's voice be heard also means that we give opportunities to other women. We might do business with other women that we might not ordinarily have. They may not be 100% the best, but they may be 80 or 90% the best, and perhaps you might be able to mentor them to be 100%. But I think it is this this helping other women gain influence by by replicating the good old boys club women helping women boy that's really profound and you know there is a concept there you can't outgive giving and when you're giving to other women instead of taking instead of trying to do all this convincing trying to be the only voice in the room dominating the conversation or getting sensitive over what someone said if you're focused on giving and helping their voice to be heard and helping to elevate them. You can't outgive giving. It always comes back. They want to help you instead of tear you down. There's absolutely power in, I think, being helpful to one another. I think that there's power when we quit looking at other women as competition. And, you know, I'll say this. I've said it a hundred times. The good old boys club is not complicated. It's three words. It's men helping men. And if women were to want to replicate that, it's simply women helping women. And I think the more that we're able to do that, the more that we use our superpowers of nurturing, our superpowers of, of empathy and care and concern and giving, I honestly think that there, there's very little that we cannot achieve. And, you know, I have heard women complain that, oh, yeah, that's a good old boys club, and that's why I can't get in. And we really, just like we can't change other people, we can only change ourselves, we really can't rest on excuses and settle for things because, well, that's the way it is or that's the way men interact with women. We have to take responsibility. We can create our own good old boys club or good old girls club, but have that influence, have that voice instead of complaining that we're not being heard. Well, and one last thought, you know, when I'm talking about gaining influence, don't bring your girl to the table. Don't bring your color to the table. Don't bring your religion to the table. Don't bring your politics to the table. Bring your skills. Bring your talents. Bring your strengths. Bring your bright ideas. But leave all that other stuff behind. And don't let anyone value you by all that peripheral stuff. That is some of the best advice I've ever heard for women. I absolutely love it. Don't bring your girl to the table. Just bring your skills. Bring what you have to offer as an individual. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just been zinked. (laughs) You've been listening to best-selling author Sarah Zink from Plaid for Women. Don't go away. We'll be back after the break and tie this all together with quality of life. You've been listening to Debbie Sardone. I am the host of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and we'll be right back. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safe around pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. 
There are a ton of social networking websites, but one stands apart for a very special reason. This one saves lives. It's MatchingDonors.com. MatchingDonors.com links organ donors with people in need of kidney and other transplants. In the U.S., 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant, most of them for kidneys. If you've ever considered becoming a living organ donor, or if you're someone in need of an organ transplant, visit MatchingDonors.com, home of the greatest gift of all, the gift of life, MatchingDonors.com. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. This is our quality of life segment, and we've been talking about communication skills. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please tell us on Facebook and share our show with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, please take a moment to write a review. So we're going to keep talking about communication today and how that ties in with quality of life and and just living a successful life. And I'd have to say, I've learned a lot about communication skills from being a public speaker and by being a student of other public speakers. I pay close attention to what I can learn from various styles of other public speakers. Public speaking skills can literally improve your overall communication skills. And even though public speaking is when you stand up on stage or stand up in front of a crowd and you're doing all the talking and it's a one-way street, you can learn so much by being an effective public speaker or learning from who you decide is a, a very effective public speaker. And those skills can translate or transition your skill set when you're speaking one-on-one or in a team meeting. So public speaking has a lot to offer the individual who maybe is struggling with their communication skills. I remember, goodness, it's probably been 15 years or more, listening to what I would consider one of the best public speakers I'd heard in a long time. I was at a free event, um, and I believe he was probably a top paid speaker, but for whatever reason, he agreed to come and speak to our group. It was a small group, so um, I, I really didn't expect much because it's a free speaking gig to a small group. You never know what you're going to get. This guy was fantastic. I mean, he was one of the best public speakers I had ever heard. And I remember this was during a very difficult time in my business, and I was struggling in one of the worst ways I had struggled in a long time with a couple of issues that I just could not find relief from. And after listening to him speak, I didn't go up to him and try to share my business troubles with him because he was surrounded by people, and people were asking him questions and very enthusiastic about him. I sent him a, a, a long, heartfelt uh, email later on about how much he encouraged me and how helpful he was. And I shared, I poured out my heart of problems that I was having in business with him. And I hit send. And what's interesting is I never heard back from him. I mean, he came, he went, and I never heard back from him. But I remember thinking later on, it's kind of interesting. I have no idea if this man is a good businessman, if he's uh, an amazing consultant, business coach, or he's just a fantastic speaker. I have no idea. I had really no credentials to go on. But here I'm ready to pour out my business troubles with this man simply because he shared an absolutely fantastic speech. So public 
uh, speaking and, and the skills that it takes to be a very powerful public speaker oftentimes create in the listener a belief that if you're that skilled at speaking, you must be skilled at everything. And it, it really does cause the listener to feel like, wow, they must know everything about business. They must be amazing at whatever it is the topic that they're speaking on. You will assume because of their skill set that they're amazing. And this translates in your own business life when it comes to communications. You could be the smartest person in the room. You could give the most uh, poignant presentation when you're trying to make a sale or pitch an idea to a team. But if your speaking skills are poor, if they're lacking, then oftentimes your skill set will be dismissed. So I look at this concept as the opposite of an amazing public speaker whom people will assume they're amazing at business or amazing at, at, at whatever it is they talk about. And your inability to demonstrate or my inability to demonstrate that we do have the best idea on the table, but our public speaking skills were so lacking, we couldn't get buy-in. So it's amazing how it, it influences the person's perception about your skill if you can speak well, if you can articulate. So part of being an amazing public speaker, part of being really good at public speaking is connecting with people. Some of the best public speakers, if you think back on the times that you've sat as an audience, some of the best public speakers did a really good job at connecting with the audience. They may be brilliant, they may be smart, or they may not know as much as you know, but they were able to connect with people. It doesn't really matter how much you know as an individual. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how brilliant your idea is, how amazing your service is, how incredible your product is, if you can't connect with people. So think about how public speakers connect with people. How do they draw that connection when they're talking to an audience? Well, first of all, you have to know your audience. I am so surprised when I'm attending a conference or a workshop and it's obvious that the speaker doesn't know the audience. It's, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's, it's very careless for a speaker not to at least get to know the people that they're speaking to, get to know their pain points, uh, definitely learn and understand their profession so that as a speaker, you can connect with them better. If you want people to connect with you, you have to know them, and that's what a good public speaker does. I've seen good public speakers walk around 30 minutes, 20 minutes before the speak and shake hands with members of the audience. I know that's what I do, especially if I'm speaking to an audience that I don't know, especially if it's an industry I'm not in. I like to walk around the room, shake hands. Hi, how, how many years have you been in business? Tell me your name. Where are you from? Um... So what's the biggest challenge you face in your business? I like to ask those questions. And I've noticed other public speakers who are, I call it working the room, will ask those questions and they'll be more effective on stage. So think about how that translates in your own communication skills. When you are trying to communicate with someone, but you know nothing about them or their pain 
or their industry or where they're at in business, how can you connect with those people? Another thing in public speaking, if, if you're a good public speaker or even a great public speaker, is connecting with people through personal stories. And I know sometimes as communicators, uh, people feel like they should just get to the bottom line. They should get to the point. And especially if you've got kind of the engineer style, engineer mindset, and you just don't like a lot of fluff, and you even disdain a lot of fluff, and you feel like you're wasting other people's time if there's too much fluff. And so you cut to the chase right away, and you get to the bullet points, and you start talking about the features, and, and you start being very technical. You can lose your audience, no matter what your audience is. It could be a, an audience of two or three teammates or a room full of people that you're trying to pitch a sale to. You can lose your audience if you don't connect with them. And the best way to connect with them as public speakers is to tell personal stories. Because, first of all, when you got to know them, you understood their pains, you understood their industry, and then you told personal stories about how your product solved a, pro solved a problem or how you designed this product or launched this service out of a need to solve a very specific problem, and you share that story with the listener, you are going to connect with people in a way you can't possibly connect without stories. So great public speakers share personal stories, and they uh, design their personal stories around what they've learned as they get to know the audience. Another thing about really great public speakers is when they talk like a person and not like an expert. How many of us have sat in on a workshop where the speaker was clearly an expert? They knew their stuff, but somehow they ended up talking down to the audience. They ended up saying things like you and them instead of we. And when I do this and when I fail, when I struggle or versus, you know, people who do this or when you are doing this wrong, this is the effect it's going to have in your business. If you are perceiving that this person is talking down, you won't even pay attention to the fact that they're an expert because you won't be able to get past how you cannot relate to this person. And so you've got to talk like a person, not like an expert, when you're a really good public speaker. You want to relate to your audience. Not only do you want to connect with them, you want to relate to them. You want your audience to understand it's not that you know about their pain and you have solutions. You have felt their pain, and that's why you have solutions. And then you come across as genuine that's a really good public speaker and that will improve your communication skills. And then good public speakers give specific examples of solutions instead of speaking in generalities. When you're communicating, if you're always speaking in generalities, people won't be convinced that you actually have solutions. People won't believe that you know enough about their problem to actually solve their problem. When you're specific in public speaking, people will begin to see how you can solve their problem. Good public speakers connect with their audience. They relate to their audience. They tell stories so that their audience can, can see themselves in your expertise and how you can solve those problems. And 
Good public speakers provide specific solutions instead of generalities. Apply the principles of a quality public speaker, a great public speaker, to your own communication and to your own conversations. When you're pitching, when you're selling, when you're trying to get a promotion, you're trying to get an idea embraced by your team, use those same skills of a good public speaker and you will definitely move forward in your ability to connect with people and to communicate better than you ever have before. So nail public speaking and you'll improve your communication skills. So thank you for listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. We meet each week to talk about all things cleaning up in life and business. Subscribe to our iTunes podcast and never miss a single episode. Until next time, keep cleaning up. For more information on cleaning up, visit us on Facebook and Twitter or at DebbieSardone.com.